what's your strategy here? I start with a segment I like to call Why Should We Give a Shit? Okay. And we go from there. So <clears throat> Sounds great. Usually like 30, 35 seconds. Usually about the guest. So okay. if you want to introduce who you are, feel free. Okay. Are we rolling? We are. Yeah, that was the whole... That was kind of my subtle way of starting it. Nice. I knew that would be a good way. Like, like check, check this out. out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, we're rolling. Uh, you know, um, feel free to. Should we draw straws? I can go first. I'm yeah, already talking. Go way. Um, why should we give a shit? Um, we shouldn't. My name's Alex. Um, I'm only here because. I play in a DIY project called New Cult with my pal Jamie, who will later introduce himself. Um, we're from Ohio, and we've met Alex Stanilla through um, this DIY network and established a pretty strong connection with him. Stayed at his house four times now. He's been to our house a couple times, um, and we just talk a lot, so that's why this works we don't really have anything particular to promote or discuss but um that's why we're here <clears throat> i'll pass all okay. right um wh- why should we give a shit uh, uh okay i don't I- i'll just introduce myself i guess i don't know that um, seems good okay um i'm jake um i'm a queer punk from columbus i'm with New Cult right now, playing music as Kimmy Vicky. I guess you shouldn't give a shit because like none of my music's online, um, and I'm also not promoting <laughs> anything. So um, t-shirts are pay what you want though. Yeah, yeah. t-shirts are pay. If <laughs> nice. you can find me, I can get you a t-shirt. They're not online. I'm not going to sell them online. But if you find me, I'll get you one. Um, cool. I would. I just want to point out that we are sitting in alphabetical order. So. Uh, Alex, Jake, Great. Jamie, you killed it. Cool. Oh. So this not my last name though. Um, mm-hmm. Too much. Stop. Uh, Buzzkill there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, also an odd sandwich. Well, it could work either way. Adja. An adja. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the yeah. J's would be the contents of the sandwich, so it's a J sandwich mm. on Alex bread. Ooh, that sounds good. It's a jelly or sandwich, a, a JJ. Or a JJ hot dog. Yeah, yeah. Is it a hot dog or a sandwich? Huh? <laughs> Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> that seems like a direction yeah. I don't want to go in this podcast. <laughs> Is a hot dog a marinara sandwich? Is a meatball a marinara sandwich? Who are you, Jamie? Yeah? My name is Jamie. Hi, Jamie. I am also a new cult. Uh, and all of the stuff they said. I'm, I, I'm not a queer though <laughs> uh, I, I, in that I, I mean not not that not in a facetious way it's not my identity but all the other stuff you know I'm going to start saying we're from Columbus because people don't care really <laughs> they just want to know geographically where are you at on the map and like I just think you've heard that a lot so we're from the Columbus area yeah. of Ohio a lot of people also don't care about the Columbus area though either 
Right. You can just say Ohio. Right. From like, I feel like. Pitt- well, I usually just say we're from Ohio, yeah. and I don't go any further unless they say, "Well, where from?" Because yeah. they have an ant or whatever. Right. Or I don't know. Obscure small town. Everyone has friends in Columbus, though. That's one thing. I'm or wondering. Cleveland. I th- I feel like people pick one of the three C cities, and they just like. <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. oh, I know about yeah. that. I've Cincinnati. been there before. Like, if you're in Indiana or Kentucky, they know someone in Cincinnati. If you're in Pennsylvania, they know someone in Cleveland, mm. and like. If, you know, if we've been to, like, uh, you know, like, Massachusetts, like, yeah, I've been through Columbus <laughs> on my way to somewhere better. Right. Yes, I've taken yeah. I, I've taken Interstate 90 all the way across <laughs> the country before. I've, I've, I've seen we Cleveland and Toledo. We had met a person. I think it was uh, uh, Emily Jane. Oh, yeah. Powers? Yeah. Am I saying that right? That was the first show. I think she had told us she That had, we played in Harrisburg? Yeah. 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 And she had... Driven from New York all the way to Seattle, taking that road up north. Yeah. Um, and she knew of Cleveland. Yeah, I've been through <laughs> Cleveland that way. Yeah. Well, I I've met heard a, of Cleveland. When, when we were in Massachusetts, I met a Kazakhstani librarian um, who lived in America her whole life, but somehow That's still had a ridiculously was. thick accent. That's who yeah. Was. And she, she had, had said, she had Oh, you're from Ohio? Like, literally, she pulls up Google Maps <laughs> on the computer and is like, What part? Show me the part. Because <laughs> um, Europeans are very intrusive. <laughs> but um, but in a polite way, um, and yeah, she had said like she had family in like Minnesota or something like that. So she had driven from Massachusetts to Minnesota on I ninety several times. And yeah, I've been through Cleveland, Lancaster. I don't know. I've never been there. Maybe I'll be there sometime. Like, don't lie to me. No, I, I doubt it. <laughs> I'm generating a little noise, but I'm just bringing that mic down to my level. Nice, yeah. Um, yeah, and we, we, we give a shit in a, in a different way, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah usually, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, like, why should we give a shit about you? Right. Like, why I, should, why should you shouldn't give a shit about that's, me. That's our, you know, we, I, I don't, I think we're all, we share the commonality of, we grew up Blink-182 fans, so we had that <laughs> self-depreciating kind of, mm. but it, we're not so much that way anymore. Like, I think we all learned you know, I had learned from uh, a pastor early on. Uh, I was dating his daughter, and he saw us play a pop punk set in his church, and we would do the "We suck" <laughs> whatever. And he had a long conversation. He was a pretty liberal kind of pastor, um, and he he would he would he, he just asked like, "Why do you why do you do that? Mm. Doesn't make sense to me." Mm. And I explained, I, I was just like, I guess it's just, I think it's funny. And, uh, it also covers the insecurity of well, like, I well, mean, if we I'm got, bad, then we got there pretty quickly. Like, it just sounds like, it sounds like you're just, you know, it's like a, it's a, a mechanism for the insecurity and like, you guys are pretty good. So you should, you know, if you're good and you keep saying you suck, maybe no one will ever notice that you're good mm. or what, you know, cause he, you know, he was the, I don't want to say he was easily impressed, but he's like kind of a normie person. So like, we didn't suck anymore. Yeah. And I think we're all in that kind of position where like, we don't think we suck anymore. Like we're not sixteen and we aren't like yeah. emo depressed. But like also, you know, you grow up a blink punk kid. Like you kind of like. I'm you know trash. Your, your shit stinks. <laughs> we we know our shit stinks, and so it's hard to like. Why should we? Why should I don't know that you should care about us. <laughs> Not in a bad way, just in right. a realistic sense. Very, a neutral, uh, 
you, you know, you know, we're we, we hope you care personally, yeah, Alex Danilo, because we're friends. But you know, the proverbial you and the headphones or you know the car speakers. I I don't know. You know, until we become friends. May, and, maybe, and if we become friends, <laughs> right? Maybe yeah. you won't like us. <laughs> right. I feel like um, the in the context we have to exist within, where we met Alex Danilo through the ever-expanding DIY music scene, we have to address our uh, role in that. Like, um, we, I feel like, have grown out of the self-depreciation in this, uh, like, we're, the new cult thing that Jamie and I do, especially Jake, um, just generally comes across as a more humble person than we do, I think. But, (laughs) um, uh, I mean, it is very, we play to a television that displays some intentional political narrative during the set and what we're doing on this run that we're currently on that has brought us here to Lebanon, Pennsylvania is like, it's like very disruptive. There's a lot of scenes of uh, police violence that are pretty graphic, unedited, just, you know, the raw footage of people being murdered by the cops. And that's like in, in a DIY scene that's normally like, it is that like blink 182 self-depreciating like um we're just here to fuck off um uh i think you know that's why personally i can say i don't i don't most people don't give a shit about that a lot of people are either made very uncomfortable or get upset or just generally confused um but that's why i give a shit about what we're doing because that's like a pretty um you know, the, the, the arrogant perspective I have about what we do is like, I've never seen a band make me feel the way people describe to me that our set makes them feel, mm-hmm. um, at least in the, you know, in the context of going to weird houses and, uh, bars to play random shows because somebody I met on Facebook helped me set it up. Um, so I can say that's why I give a shit about what we do. Yeah. It's, um, why well, we had this interesting conversation the other night in Roanoke uh, with a couple friends after the show um, and, I, and we got to a place in the conversation where I was able to like you know kind of process on my own apart like this set specifically like a lot of a lot of the narratives that I try to make I, I usually try to weave you through like you know the dynamic of what I think music is mm. and I try to do that visually so like you know, and like a prerequisite for that, like you got to understand, like we literally are, you know, new cult isn't really, you know, it is, it isn't tongue in cheek, really. Like we literally, you know, if we could start a cult, we would, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I mean, I grew up an evangelical Christian. So like, I understand the power in it. And now it's like, you know, a wannabe Marxist radical. I know that, that, that that's the kind of shit you can do some remarkable things with. So if you stumble into a cult, like, you've not, you know, you, that's something, you, you can't buy that. Um, and so, and that's, and so with that in mind, you know, as psychopathic as this sounds, I designed these videos to go on that, you know, like, I know that, like, it's the way, you know, like, people who are predatory towards, like, young people, sure, it's very yeah. revealing of me, but... Um, I designed the set to like take you on this roller coaster where I know like at the end I usually give this speech that makes you feel good because you just went on this roller coaster of like 
every set will start out with a meme that makes you laugh and everyone feels comfortable. That's always intentional. Uh, recent, for most of this year, we've been playing uh, the meets meme of Mark, Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg yeah. at the computer. And so when folks like meets. come into the show, yeah. everyone, ha, 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 I yeah. saw, I shared that, I shared that, remember you shared that. Right. And now we're like, we have this intimacy. Other bands can't do this. Other bands like, other bands are like sharing that meme, if that makes sense. But like, it's just the TV doing it. You don't even, we don't even really say much like, hey, we're new call. Right. Fuck off. We're going to play now. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and it's all intentional. Um, but that, that dynamic is like uh, usually how the sets go. But the way, you know, and I, maybe the anxiety attacks last night and this morning might point to it. I've just been in a place recently where just watching all of reality work out the way it is, you know, between politics and just social situations and how, like, just some personal experiences watching, like, you know, I worked with some poor kids this summer and just seeing how shitty everything really is, you mm -hmm. know, like getting back into, you know, those socialized situations. I made this set kind of fucked up, like really fucked up. And we were having that conversation with some friends in Roanoke and I was able to like kind of, you know, for the first time recognize, like I made it fucked up because like, you know, I share that sentiment with Alex. Like, I do think usually what we do is important. That's why we, you know, I'm, I don't really like touring or anything. I hate it, honestly, mm -hmm. but I, I do think it's important to fuck with people's heads. But this particular run, I really do feel like I described it as like, it's just kind of like us going into a city and throwing a grenade in the room. <laughs> right. There's a, we, like, the, there's a new song that we've been playing that the chorus is literally just um, like, I want to fuck it all up. And that's like, <clears throat> you have a lot of conversations with people who play DIY shows and do the DIY tour. And I mean, we talk shit all the time on this notion of like, I want to pay my rent with DIY. I want to pay my rent playing music. I want, I want to like, in some, whether it's like this explicit or not, I want this to become a career opportunity. I want to fit this like really exciting, different thing that I feel like I get to do into some normie um, like box where, um, you know, things, things could just work out for me where it's, it's like, Sorry, I'm tangenting. I, I, would I, say, I, I would say, like, even, so even this DIY structure has become a very, like, it's a normy thing that people do. Touring is so available to people, and people try to make it so much, like, um, I just want this to be my job. I want music to be my career. It's not this, like, it's not viewed as this, like, really unique cultural experience that we get to live out where you can actually share music and do this weird thing on such a massive level. Um, it's... It's, it's been compromised and so we talk a lot about the appropriation of DIY culture. It's like, it's still a very commercial and not really that culturally rich thing. And so even that, like, it's a unique opportunity where we have access to actually go and disrupt it. We can actually go into those spaces and fuck it all up in a way that, like, you can't do it like a bank or something, which is where I'd much rather fuck things up. But this is Or a, even on that small scale, um fucking it up in a way people won't you can't really fuck it up because most people are self-interested and again that's like I'm trying to be in particular lately in saying like I, and I don't hold individuals responsible for like socialized behavior but most people are narcissist self-involved you know beings because of the conditioning of our society and so 
they're living, you know, most DIY bands or musicians, they're living out this, you know, program directive to like pay your rent playing music. Like that's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a thing they created themselves. Cause like, we'll have this conversation a lot. And like, even with some like-minded friends, they'll still be like, yeah, but wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> and, and I guess where I would be maybe pretentious and maybe a bit arrogant about it, but like, it just that just seems sick, like such an unintellectual space to allow your brain to be in. Like you can't even pay your rent with jobs anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, literally those semantics. But like, um, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if you could pay your rent playing guitar? But like, also, wouldn't it be cool if I could just like touch you and like take your cancer away? Or you know, wouldn't it, there are lots of things that would just be cool. But can we can we be intellectual about like where what we're doing? Um, and to that point about like appropriating DIY culture, like. Yeah, I take it personally. Like I grew up in in pretty extreme poverty. Both my parents dropped out of high school, uh, you know, before they were seventeen. My mom dropped out in tenth grade, um, and that's to say that I have a lived experience where punk was a thing that radically changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to see people, you know, that commodified state that Alex describes, like it went from being like these cool shows that all the freaks did at the VFW hall on the side of town that like everyone, you know, back when I was a kid, like going to punk shows, you were like, you know, uh, I hesitate to, you know, just all the, the, you know, the homophobic culture, like you're a queer or gay or like, you know, like growing your hair out or like wearing a pink, I, you know, wearing pink studded belts or like the bracelets or like whatever that, uh, you know, kind of commercialized expression that you're trying, you're, you're trying to cultivate to like show other people, like I'm a freak. Um, back in, you know, what, where I come from, and I, I hesitate to describe it this way because I don't want to be like a conservative. I don't want to sound like a Republican. Like, it's not about making punk great again. It's about just getting capitalism out of punk, getting capitalism mm-hmm. out of DIY. Because, like, it really is, like, there, we, you know, the place we're just at in Roanoke. Like, it was fucking DIY. Like, Ryan Ham is a really cool person. Um, like, their, their house is, like, exactly what a DIY show should be like hey i got some kids involved and you know the high school kids are like getting a taste of like the community you can build through music and they bring all their friends out and it's just this opportunity for people to have new experiences and like money was like at the bottom of the list of everyone's concerns um it still exists like i'm not cynical and think like diy or punk's dead it's just like i'm angry because like most of what people are calling diy and punk is just fucking you know, it's just ticket bullshit. Yeah. It's the same old shit. They just appropriate the experience. Um, and I would say because of that, like, because that takeover exists and is obviously the prevailing force in not just DIY, but at any, like, anywhere a capitalist market can penetrate some element of, like, really genuine culture, expression, and humanity, like, um, it's going to do that. It's go- mm-hmm. every, Everything that can be turned into a market will be turned into a market as you know, capitalism breathes what we interpret to be its last breath, but we've been there before historically and it found new markets. Um, but, um, so like this, this concept of fucking it all up, it's actually, I think we have this, um, we had a conversation in Roanoke, this guy after our set came up and said like, you know, I really like what you're doing, but I'm a little more, I'm a little more, you know, maybe said nihilistic or maybe, maybe just said like, you know, I just, I don't have that kind of hope. And Jamie said like, well, that's character I play on stage because if you're being a realist about it, even the small scale, like trying to disrupt somebody's headspace in a room in someone's house, um, where you just got to play a show, like trying to fuck it all up. 
that's that moment still lasts for a half an hour and then they go outside if it's too much maybe they make it to the end of the set but either way when the next band comes on that moment's over and the prevailing culture or just the prevailing force in all of it is i would say pretty anti-culture but it becomes a culture of like it's marketized you you are you are there you are there to find a way to express yourself individually as opposed to like uphold some sort of political community value and turn this into anything meaningful and that's you know we don't have access to disrupt anything more than that but no matter what you try to disrupt um it's fleeting and your disruption will be stifled do you remember uh it happened i think it was this year sometime but that maybe yeah it was this year um uh, that Bainsky piece that was sort of the auction mm. <laughs> they had designed that piece to like self-destruct if it had ever been sold and at the auction and you know sold for whatever million dollars and then it just like burst into flames really? um, and it the, the piece like disintegrated and I'm not sure what the combustion was but when it was done it was a quote that said uh, and I'm not sure who it's attributed to but it said the act of uh, the act of destruction is an artistic one, um, and I don't. And I, and I hesitate to, you know, uh, romanticize Bansky because, like, they're almost kind of the antithesis of uh, the kind of art that should be being made. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't know. There, there, there's a lot of <clears throat> hearsay lot. and it's mythology around yeah. it. Like, I don't know what Bansky is or isn't. But yeah. uh, my point being, like, that really did help. Uh, quantify like a feeling I've always had mm. like growing up poor like there is just this I don't know like I really feel a, 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 a line like I just want to fuck it up like um, I've always been the kind of person I've always had a hard time like writing love songs or mm. and, and it's not like I'm an unemotional person it's just like a lived experience of what I think like real poor people go through like mm. Those things are always just assumed. Like, you love your mom, you love your dad. If you've got a partner, you love them. Um, the things, you know, the feelings that you have to, like... The, like, music's about discovering, like, the innards of yourself. The things you don't know about are, like... Is this ever going to stop? You know, like... Um, yeah. And I think a lot of poor folks aren't empowered to, like, be in the arts. Um, it's another, you know... What, if we were to talk about the interesting place we are in history... It is one of those things that's helped liberate. It's helped liberate people out of, you know, like these class divides. Because like poor people can make music now. Like, yeah, yeah. and I say it unironically, or you know, not even facetiously. Like that's why you have like the ICP phenomenon. Mm. Like it was. It all came from like however absurd it might be perceived. Like that's mm. a fucking legit community yeah. that yeah. is like million strong yeah. like they are a force to be reckoned with so much so <laughs> that like they're a fucking gang you know what right. I mean they're, desi- they're so powerful and dangerous to the institution and the yeah. establishment they've been designated a gang by the FBI um, and, and the, the point being like so when the sentiment of like wanting to fuck shit up like it's not a new phenomenon in the sense of like the revolutions happen because of that that feeling like we aren't the first people to go from town to town to tell people they need to fuck shit up but like we are in a unique position to where like you know most of my friends in my social circle didn't have the life I had mm-hmm. and that like that's that's a new thing for like a poor fuck like me to like be able to hang out you know with the well to do mm-hmm. um, and, and and so like it, that that kind of you know to I 
speaking uh, symbol, usually. It's the cake batter that you've never tasted before, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you just never had that recipe of, like, you know, what would happen if ICP, like, hooked up with Jay-Z? You know, what would happen? You know, like, it sounds absurd, but, like, what could you do politically and socially? You know, how could you change material circumstances if you had those two, like, fucking... Hur you know the hurricane forces like they're fucking yeah. powerful forces yeah. regardless of what criticisms you give either one like and you throw them both together like um that chaotic energy you know like mm -hmm. those are the kinds of grenades that i'm talking about you know just the and, and like uh this particular run like uh it, it's it's focused on you know like black lives matter uh philosophy of like just forcing folks to not be able to be comfortable mm -hmm. um, and that is kind of destructive you know um, I, we've we've had conversations recently too about like um, I don't I don't have a position on it it's just something I, I think we should talk about as a society like we, we live in such a neoliberal place where like violence is just written off mm -hmm. uh, and again I'm not like I'm just thinking out loud but like part of you know what we've been doing this last half of the year is like are there forms of violence that could be constructive in a political means, you know, like, um, I'm always resistant and hesitant to, like, commit violence against a person, like, direct physical violence, but, like, making someone watch Eric Gardner get choked out in New York, you know, like, that's a violent act, that's something I, because you're not the yeah. typical American, whether you're white or not, the typical American just doesn't want to see that. Yeah. Um, and so to like walk into some, you know, Roanoke, Virginia mm -hmm. and, you know, force that into someone's face. Like when my room is full of 17 year olds. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a violent, it's a violent act. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would, I would say like, it speaks to the interesting place we're in historically that like, um, <clears throat> historically speaking, uh, violence is the answer. If you want to fuck shit up, you want to disrupt society, you start cutting people's heads off. Um, but most of the time, that's, like, um, people who have not. The only, if you live a life where you're not exposed to direct violence all the time, the only way that you're ever going to be exposed to it is when it's committed against you or in front of you. But historically now, we live in a time where, like, you can, you could spend days, months on YouTube just watching direct violence be committed in, mm -hmm. in, in millions of different circumstances. And that affects the psyche in a way that, you know, maybe, maybe we don't have to commit direct violence in front of you to piss you off enough to make well, you do I, something. I have an example of uh, the kinds of things I'm talking about in terms of, like, trying to be reflexive about, like, this rigid, defined morality and ethics that we live in, and this Puritan hellscape that we call America. <laughs> Not to be hyperbolic. <laughs> um, so I just read a news article this morning. Um, the, the brothers Ben and Jerry created a new Bernie Sanders flavor. And it tastes like Bernie's back. <laughs> well, so... Um, it's called Bernie's back. Uh, but I, I ripped this off of Twitter. There was a reply that was like, it tastes like his back. Like his old man uh, back. Yeah. Um, but but it, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's got a like caramel toffee core, mm -hmm. which is, uh, it represents the, you know, the, the middle class... Holding up one sheet. <laughs> it's a sheet of dark chocolate on the top. Just a thin sheet of dark chocolate. Shouldn't it so be the, white chocolate? So the <laughs> so the so the sheet of 
chocolate on the top is being propped up by like the core of the the caramel toffee. There's one wow. percent. Um, it's it really it is one percent chocolate, a chocolate layer on top. Um, and I and and so I thought, like they they're woke. Like maybe maybe you know we're we're ninety uh, percent vegan in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's lowercase v. We're not we're we're ethical consumption yeah. based vegans. We're not. I, again, I, I'm not like opposed to the ethical treatment of animals, but that's not my primary motive. Mm-hmm. Point being, as vegans, ice cream treats—you know—treats are just you know hard to come by, especially in like a small town that we're from in Ohio. And we steal Ben and Jerry's ice cream from the local grocery store because it's fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, especially I'm not, not going to pay eight dollars for yeah. a treat, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, and so when I internalize, like, well, but they're woke. Am I doing something wrong? And then you read the article further. It's like, the Ben and Jerry's, the brothers Ben and Jerry's, have nothing to do with the Unilever company, Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream, which they sold in 2000. Mm. Um, and if you follow that story, you'll learn, like, you know, when these folks, like, the ben, you know, ben and Jerry's, the brothers, like, they, uh, you know, they sell this company thinking, like, we're going to change the world with our sustainable sourced ice cream company and then Unilever buys it because they're like, yeah, we like we like how that makes people feel, but then they just like <laughs> throw it in with like briars and like the rest yeah. of them. Like they just make ice cream yeah. in the same unsustainable way. They just like put that tag and fair trade logo. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ben and Jerry, the brothers, that it's called Ben's Best now. Like they don't, you know, like they have nothing to do with that anymore. And then I was like, oh yeah, well fuck, fuck Ben and Jerry's and Unilever. I will have vegan ice cream and steal it. Um, and that's fine. That's the kind of violence I'm talking about. Sure. Because it's disruptive. It's it's, it's complete. It's 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 very disruptive and violent to Ben and Jerry's and Unilever. Um, and and it and it and it's a direct response to, you know, like when you go into like you go into a store and any any self checkout store like you're already like compulsory like engaged in working for that company like. Mm-hmm. Just shopping at Walmart means you work for them because, like, the you know, 90% of the labor to check out the items that you're buying is that's projected onto the consumer. Um, Using the self checkout machine. Which is, which is, you know, that typical, it's, it's a way to express, like, all of the millions of examples of how a capitalist system commits that same kind of like structural violence against you in a direct form. Like, they force you simply by need. You need something from the store. They force you to work for them. Hmm. Um, hmm. Wow. And so, and so, you know, trying to be creative, that's what I mean, trying to be creative and figure out those equally effective means of violence against those same perpetrators of that violence, you know? Because, like, in, for, in, in the sense of, like, that's been a theme of my little soapbox. I usually do a little speech at the end of our set to kind of either clear a room or clear things up yeah. depending on the crowd. Um, but I think it's important to like understand like the differences between those types of violence and like we can't be physically violent to any powers as they are now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're nothing against bombs and guns. <laughs> like there's yeah. just no way for a blatant, you know, fist fight to ever go the way of the proletariat working class people. There's just no way that's working. Mm-hmm. Like you got to you have to be you know, uh, intentional about, you know, your, your your cunningness, you know, like it seems arbitrary, but like 
you know, stealing some Ben and Jerry's is actually like, not only are you, you know, in that, in, in the vein of that Bansky point I was making, like, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a creative artistic expression. Like stealing the ice cream actually is a work of art. Like you are just, I guess I've worked, we've all worked in retail enough. Like I know what the chain is, you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. the typical person doesn't know, like a month, two months, six months, one month, sometime within the next year, someone's going to do inventory and someone's going to know that ice cream's missing. <laughs> And someone will be held accountable for it. And if no one ever steals ice cream, no one's ever, that system's never disrupted. Mm -hmm. One mm -hmm. plus one equals two, and it just all equals out. But when you, make, when you do these actions, you disrupt that system of, like, conformity, and you make people think, like, cause, because the disparity between the, we commit a violence of, like, I stole a pint of Jerry, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, which is very passive in the sense of, like, uh, how it affects people in the immediate. It's actually, you know, if we're being moralistic, like no one, certainly I would assume no one would ever put me in prison forever for stealing a pint of ice cream. It's like nonviolent, almost a victimless crime in the yeah. sense of the only person almost, that actually it's, suffers. It's a victimless crime. <laughs> well, the, uh, corporations, some could argue, are directly impacted and you will. Although there are plenty of measures in place to but my point, protect them from that. My point being, but then when it gets to holding the worker accountable or whoever, you know, the manager of, you know, whoever does this inventory, the, the, the disproportionality between the violence I committed, which was stealing the Ben and Jerry's ice cream versus like what they will then deal with. It's not passive anymore. It's like they're actually getting yelled at. Yeah, yeah. Their livelihood threatened. To, you know, your traditional Puritan moralist, they would say, and that's why you shouldn't steal. But should we allow ourselves to live in a system where if you don't obey the rules that disproportionately distribute all of the wealth and resources to a minority group of people, and if you do anything in the contrary, you will be violently disrupted in your livelihood, resources, and the already disproportionate share you get. Mm -hmm. will be disrupted at such a violent form. Like, I feel like that's a system that, like, needs to be... Like, we should be stealing everywhere. Like, yeah. at least, you know, every city should have a car stolen from a fucking dealership once a day. You know, like, one car a day should be stolen. Like, that's the kind of violence that, that would need to be perpetrated against these entities. To really, you know, to really make that kind of difference of like at least disrupting it enough for people to wonder like, and should I, would I be say, getting yelled at for this? Yeah. Um, I don't know, and uh, in, in a in a sense of like um, framing the debate like outside of your normal politics. Uh, just for example, what comes to my mind is like um, you have when we're talking about self checkout machines and things, you have people like my grandma on Facebook all the way to like uh, a book I read about how technology is taking over the world and we need to have a more humanist perspective. Like it's almost like a, a broke woke bespoke meme about like um, how to actually disrupt that. And some people argue we need to disrupt the, the, the like hyper capitalist way that technology is going to take over our lives by rejecting it in the way that we don't use the self checkout machines. We're just simply going to, we're going to, 
choose to empower that cashier to keep their job. And that's that's the woke level, but the bespoke level is you use the you use the technology against itself. You use you use the tools we've been given to disrupt because like trying to frame things like it's part of a conversation we had last night. Like there are no solutions that can look backwards. We live in a completely new time in our lives. And I think if if people are responding as they normally do when things are shitty in a in, a, in an extremely disruptive way, um, that's exciting to me that that's like philosophically, that's that's like the natural way for human beings to respond. If 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 you feel, I just can't believe, you know, I can't argue that, I don't see how anybody could argue that it's wrong to like not want to be submissive to a system that allows for massive inequality. There was a just a thing I saw on Twitter. It's Matt Chrisman from Chapo. Somebody like posted a screenshot of DMs from a conversation they had with Matt Chrisman. And the guy who posted it's like a Republican. Um, but it was something along the lines. They were talking about police violence and he said, like, all, the only context you get is, like, yes, I saw the videos. You don't know what instance they're talking about, but it's very relatable to our thing right now because we're literally shoving videos of police violence in people's faces. Um, <clears throat> but but they weren't convicted. Like, they weren't charged. And there's just why, why you know, we, we live in this pinnacle that is this this pinnacle of history that is American society. We've reached the end of history, and that's somehow like a legitimate narrative. But like, if people are still responding, if human beings are naturally responding with disruptive and violent and like frustrated tendencies, then that's your clear sign. How did like? That's your clear sign that uh, we should probably lean into those things. I would say. Well, um, I mean. Um so one of the videos we're showing on this run is Freddie Gray, and maybe a lot of people, every time I talk about Freddie Gray, it seems like people forgot about Freddie Gray, but Freddie Gray, um, he was a, a you know young black dude uh, killed in Baltimore, kind of like the spark to those Baltimore, mm-hmm. the, you know, I, I don't know if they were legit riots yet, or but like the Baltimore situation, I think it was 2014, 2015. Um, but the, the video we show is we show, like, you know, uh, in a nutshell, what happened was Freddie Gray looked at a cop weird, and they, they fucking beat the shit out of him, arrested him. Um, they threw him in the back of, a, you know, a meat wagon, and he, uh, in transit to the police station, uh, severed his spinal cord, and he died a week later. Um, and for days, it's like, you know, obviously they're just trying to, like, cover the whole thing up, um, but because of the protests, like... Everyone had to, like, everyone was like, what the fuck happened, you know? And the narrative of our set is, like, this particular video. Um, it took them three days, three fucking days to admit, well, you know, we, we, we roughed him up when we arrested him for looking at us. And then we threw him in the back of this huge fucking stainless steel paddy wagon and didn't buckle him in. And then intentionally, well, and erratically, this local news coverage were like, you know, a bunch of black folks are like, yeah, they do that shit to us all the time. And they called it the rough ride or it's got its own colloquial term because it happens so often is they'll throw you in the back of the paddy wagon and, you know, give you a rough ride on the way to the police station. Um, And it took three days. um, And as far as I understand, no one was held accountable for the death of Freddie Gray. Mm. Um, or any of the other people. Or any, but, but in particular, <laughs> Freddie Gray. Um, and so we live in a system that says that that's okay. You know, Tamir Rice's killer got away with it. Eric Gardner's killer is making $120,000 a year. Uh, in that system, 
you know, and I, and I, I don't want to like trivialize those injustices, but I, just to make the point, like, what is stealing ice cream? Right. You know what I mean? Like, if the people who say killing people's wrong, why why do we accept so easily that like stealing product that is ours to have? Because like my argument has always been, because like my mom and dad are both, you know, evangelical Christians, are very Puritan in their ideals. Um, again, they they got a little bit ignorant. They dropped out of high school, so like they just don't have the kind of cognitive capacity for lots of ideas. Um, but I'm really honest with my parents. Um, a lot of people perceive us to have like a good relationship and maybe that's so, but it's just, I decided pretty, pretty early in my twenties to like, if I'm going to be around my family, they're going to fucking know who I am and who I am is this weirdo that they probably shouldn't like, you know, <laughs> by all measure, my, fa- my parents should not like me. Um, and it kind of tests their ability as parents, but they, you know, they seem to still give a shit. You know, I see them a lot. Um, but I, you know, I'm honest with them and I'll tell my parents, you know, like, you know, how much, you know, because they're, they're always intrigued by like the vegan alternative shit. How much do you buy that for? And I'll say, oh, I stole that. <laughs> or, you know, Jamie. I, sh- I shisted it. And they'll, they have this, you know, like, how could you? And I'll explain like, like my mom, uh, she I say retired, but it's because she uh, she injured herself so much through like workers' compensation. She just ended up like having to not work anymore from McDonald's, and she had worked there for thirty years. Uh, she started make started there with a wage of like a buck eighty five, and ended making ten bucks. Like I made as much as my mom did when I left McDonald's. You know, she got me a job, um, and you trying to use that lived experience of like she consciously knows she was overworked and you know she overproduced and she understood like McDonald's always made more money than they paid in salary she understands all of that disparity and how it sucks and what they did to her but when you say so like don't you think you're owed a Big Mac if you want a Big Mac <laughs> no not, you know what I mean that, that it's so embedded and so like um, I don't know I, I guess uh, it's, it's difficult for people to even hear that analogy or the connection between ice cream and Freddie Gray, but um, when we're talking about violence, like I think that's what's interesting about you know, maybe like just just you know shooting the shit about it. Like I don't want to, I'm not trying to have some revolutionary call to have these violent episodes. Like we don't need to guillotine people. Like I'm just, I I really think that we should just think about it. You know? Yeah, I think so. There was something you said in a conversation we had a couple weeks ago that like very well describe my own philosophical trip I've been on for a couple of years and talking about um, um, like we're even, even it doesn't matter how woke and bespoke you can be it doesn't, the conversations we're able to have living in a society that was literally designed according to like enlightenment values um, John Locke was the greatest inspiration of all the people who designed our government and society and John Locke digging deep into like his actual decision making and how he employed his philosophy was a fucking asshole um he was very elitist and that's to the way society has been designed like and the moralism that is supposed to be embodied by like it's a philosophical tradition that comes from like pre-reformation catholic saint augustine it is like we literally live in a puritan society you said not to be hyperbolic but no really at the core of our ability to think it's not just the way we behave it's our ability to think about like 
moralism and good behavior is based on this idea that there is some... Um, there's, there's God's will out there and it's the human being's responsibility being gifted this life and all the good things that come of it directly from God. It's our responsibility to align our individual choices and will with the will of God, um, which is obviously so clear to align Um, that with just that point of, and whether or not you believe in God, because like some people's experiences, the, the ideology is so embedded into society. Like you might even consider yourself some kind of like agnostic or an atheist, yeah. but you're like you're all of your ability because you are an American, socialized American. It's, it's your ability to think about right and wrong. The way in which you perceive, you know, like this, the, the concept of greater good, like someone like a Bill Maher would say they're an atheist and God's, Oh, that's, you know, make believe childish shit. But like, Everything in your life is still dictated by that Puritan, Augustinian view of, like, how how uh, the relationship of human to nature. Like, whether you believe in God or not, like, if you're not stealing Ben and Jerry's ice cream, you're submissive to yeah. that deity and I, I, that yeah. dictates the reality I that would, maybe you think you don't believe in. Yeah. I, and I think, um, like, as we step into an age of, um, it, it is essentially a new enlightenment with, uh, like... And you see in the last hundred years or so, like you have this evolution of postmodernism um, and a new kind of philosophy that uh, at times is used to justify a complete lack of ideology, um, a, a, a complete rejection of any submission to any dogmatic uh, thought process. Um, and that's like, I think that actually makes a lot of sense to be in the place we are because we need we need new ideologies to to be able to explain the reality we're living in because as we're experiencing breakdowns of political systems it's just a representation of this fact that like um, powerful entities are not presenting a version of reality that is believable and so we need a new version of reality to talk about and understand in order to form a cohesive society but um, Nobody can present that to us because like everything is so, everything is in decay and already disruptive in itself. The only way we're going to arrive at some new philosophy or new organization of society is like disruptive experimentation, I would say. Um, and that's the fun of postmodernism is that more relativism of like, nothing's really wrong. If it can happen, um, then it is just, it's, it's, it's real, it's possible. Uh, right and wrong are these enlightenment concepts of human perception that we've we've created for ourselves and our entire society is designed by that and like um, is it, whether it be as simple as stealing Ben and Jerry's ice cream or like uh, even to the more individual level of like having a kind of disruptive relationship with your parents where it's just like it's 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 an experiment you lived out, and I mean I'm like 11 years younger than Jamie, so it's an experiment that I'm much more in the early stages of. But it's like, be honest with people in your life, whether they be your parents, people you've known for a long time, people you knew when you were a completely different person when you were younger. Like, it's expe- it's like it's an experiment to see how does this relationship work when I am somebody you should hate, but you still don't hate me because this, the way we're even able to think about how we're supposed to get along and how we're supposed to have productive relationships come from like enlightenment values that have dictated our society and our thought processes. And like, um, that's, what's so exciting about all of this. You can, you can scientifically predict some really, really grim, um, 
like social realities, ecological realities, political realities, things look really bad, but everything's so new and different that you get to live really experimentally um, according to how you feel compelled to do so. And it's inspiring to me that so many people do seem to feel compelled to... um, People feel compelled to at least believe that things are fucked up. Um, you see well, it I, in I, massive I think depression. That um, just a bit of disparity between most people. Like, I think you, where you were just speaking on, like, that's like step two or three of like a, a self actualizing process, at least by the terms that we're living. Because um, even before you can, like, have that challenging or disruptive relationship with a family, like, you have to have that challenging, disruptive, like, violent confrontation with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, most people don't have that, you know, I, you, I was overhearing a conversation you were having earlier in the kitchen, like, just having, going down the path of understanding of, like, um, the self-actualizing of, like, w- what is, what is my ego in this system? And um, to, to question your own, you know, your own, uh, not just your own mortality or, or your being, but just, like, how you even perceive any of those things, you know, like... And not in that superficial, like, waterbeds and stuff way of, like, well, what if, you know, your green is my blue or whatever. Yes. But, like, uh, but more so, like, um, you know, like, why do I like blue, you know? Um, <laughs> just as simple as, you know, um, those kinds of things, like. Um, well, I think the complicated thing about what we live in is everything changes so fast. And as you engage in disruptive behavior, that's kind of an, like that self-reflective experience is something you just kind of have to do over and over and over again, as all of the material conditions of your life, like seem to change so rapidly. That's an interesting, I, that makes me think of like, you know, maybe ultimately why I want to throw Eric Gardner in your face. is like, I, I talk about all the time, and I'm realizing now that it's probably just, like, a sign of my age. But, like, I think the Matrix is, Matrix is fucking awesome. And uh, I talk about it a lot. Like, a lot of people talk about Star Wars. But, um, you know, I always, I think, I think people need, you know, there's some problematic philosophy in the Matrix, I now know. But overall, it's still, it's still a story of profound, like, I think everyone needs to have that Morpheus moment. The red pill, blue pill. Mm-hmm. Um and those just don't come, you know, like, it only happened once in the whole trilogy. You know, it's not <laughs> common. It's not, like, not everyone has fucking uh, Lawrence Fishburne with the, you know, I'm going to fucking let you just stay asleep forever. Or, like, I can so- show you some shit. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that grenade in the room is. Like, I, <laughs> like, and it happens. Like, you know, we, we mentioned that show in Roanoke uh, uh, a couple days ago. You know, we throw it on the TV, and you can stay, or you can leave. You can go outside, and I completely understand, so I'm not projecting onto an individual person. Like, I don't think you're weak or anything. I think it's tragic, but I understand it. Or you can stay, and you can see all of it. And, and, I, think, and I think what the violent action really is, um, especially, you know, on this recent run, like, I usually just try to, like, give an encouraging word at the end. Hey, I, we just went on this thing together, you know, gooey, gooey, whatever. And I just kind of, like... Buy a t-shirt. I just keep... I keep talking, and it's... And I've been doing this for a while, not even just on this 
this run, but just like we play, we we're kind of like a. I think our shtick is a character now in our scene in Ohio, you know, Columbus and the like. Um, and if, you know, we're the band with the TV, and it's cool, and it's like, you know, we're Marxist woke, so it's like you can't. You just like our band because, you know, you have to. It's cool that you guys, like, give a shit. Yeah, it's like, my brother's into that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, socialism. Uh, we've heard that, that, that was a, Yeah, that was a real thing. Um, but I, you know, I just got in. <laughs> it, it, it became my goal, um, especially if we play, you know, at home in Columbus or somewhere. Like, I'm just going to talk until the room's empty. Because mm. I know... Um, and it's not, like, out of pretentiousness, but, like, I have some assertist, you know radical ideas um and i get that like i talk so i uh, just real i say things i'm I'm trying to get myself to stop like i say things in which i'm like okay i'm bummed the fuck out see ya you know what i mean like um so and that's kind of the you know that's that's the the end of our set on this run is like i get to a place where it's like all right i'm bummed out see ya (laughs) there are no answers to any of this just um and i think things are bad you know so when i'm talking about you know this is a long tangent on violence but like maybe let's just think about it because like right now the way we like internalize just say politics like the internalizing of politics is like we'll watch them play a football game on cnn and we'll watch that like five or six times of a bunch of them, and then they'll whittle it down to a little less, and then we'll watch that same game again, and then next year maybe it'll be like two or three of them, and we'll watch the same thing, and then we'll watch the football game with whoever it is against Donald Trump, and that's our politic. Um, you know, like there was an ep- there was an episode at this uh, second Democratic debate on CNN where some protesters, you know. Did, you know, broke literally broke, disrupted broke the, it. Broke yeah. the story, and you know, like fire Pantaleo. And, you know, and giving shit to Bill De Blasio for Eric Gardner's murder. He had, he has within his power to fire that cop, and he hasn't done so. And he's he's stating that he has faith in this institution that you know me and Alex just kind of systemically broke down into like it's fucking garbage. Like, yeah, you want us to you want us to trust in a system that systematically allows police to indiscriminately kill black people. Um, consequence free um, <clears throat> yeah I mean even even in Jamie's long rant at the end of sets there's there's a bit I mean there's a sense within myself that's like because you think about like the next band and how pissed they're getting and how outwardly <laughs> pissed they sometimes are about like we just want to fucking play right. um, <laughs> and then there's the people who are there to see them that are like what um, it happens but that's like I mean, you even have to, I even have to personally, as simple as an experience as it is to like sit at the drums and let Jamie rant, um, like it's even a, it's even a forceful thing within myself. That's like, eh, none of that matters. Like this is uncomfortable, but what, that's, partner, we're just going to let this happen. Like this is because like, fuck this show. <laughs> What's the point my, if this doesn't happen? My partner, Stephanie, um, has said in sincerity and but just you know and comp- compassionately like i we have a very close relationship and it was said with the most love but she was like i think you might just be crazy <laughs> um and i'd had conversations you know on the trip you know this run like i it, you know mental illness runs in my family and i don't know if i'm just like headed towards some psychotic break or not 
um, I'm completely <laughs> aware of it, you know, like, yeah. and considering, like, my background and, you know, the life I live, like, it would make complete sense, you know. There's definitely um, subconscious traumatic responses, yeah. Um, and when, and so when I think about, you know, what I, I always, and I don't say it to be, like, self-important or self-righteous, but, like, I know the things that I say, especially, you know, like, this high school kids, like, this is not going to ever happen for them, and I, it's not like a Christ complex, but, like, to me, like, that, that's what I think the artwork is in our band, is, like, I get to, you know, I, I don't know, we had this experience in, in uh, Philadelphia, you know, like, and, and it, I don't know, maybe I, I do feel very proud of it, but uh, I'm able to, like, I'm so, I'm so intentional about, like, breaking that, you know, static. Like, I remember, you know, we were playing in Philadelphia, and I got a room, like, it's the room in a bar in the middle of, you know, like South End Philly mm-hmm. to shut the fuck up for like a minute. And it was like, wow, you know, like <laughs> that's I, and, I'm, and, and, and like taking that away from out of myself. Like that's what you can do if you like steal Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Like you really can. Like that's so profoundly it was, artistic. It, 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 yes. The moment was like it. I, it was clear. Like you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do with it once you get there. Right. But it's just like, hey. Shut up, everybody! Quiet. I got something really important to say, and then you get the moment where you've silenced you've silenced uh, well over fifty people in this room in yeah. this upstairs bar in Philadelphia, and it's still not silent because we're we're a bar right. and the upstairs right. of another bar. So downstairs you hear, <laughs> and it's just like, but you still have this moment where everybody's like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. And it's like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> and, and um, that's the, I, I would say like if we're speaking to the philosophy of where we are in history, like that's the moment you got to seek, like yeah. where you genuinely for a moment don't know, like I have something I don't know what to do with, and, and everyone can do that, right? You know what I mean, like that's I, it's not a Christ complex, like I just know, like just the experiences I've had, and I I just know that people like me don't normally get in situations like I'm in, in terms of like I've been. You know, when I was a Christian, I would say I've been blessed with a life of opportunity, um, but not rational. You know, just your circumstances are just pretty cool. Well, my, my circumstances, <laughs> I have, I have tricked my way into, you know, into a life that you know is unique for my perspective. Um, and I, there are people, you know, the people that I'm surrounded by, like people in the DIY scene now, you know, this appropriation, like. They actually have more opportunity. Like, they can do even cooler shit. Like, that's, like, if you think the TV pop punk band is cool, like, there are some phenomenal bands playing phenomenal music with phenomenal voices and, like, phenomenal ability on guitar. Like, imagine what the fuck you can, you know, I'm just some watched up fucking old pop punk kid. You know, like, I liked what, Blink One Eighty Two. I like, yeah. I'll like, still I, argue about which album is the best. Yeah, I still think Tom DeLonge's kind of cool. <laughs> like, what could you do, like, with with what you have? Yeah. Um, we were we we were listening to Cornell West on Joe Rogan, and I still it still hasn't landed. How I think that's so absurd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Cornell, Doctor Cornell West on Joe Rogan's podcast. It can be um, summed up by Cornell West talking and Joe Rogan. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he, he said a thing about, um, you know, Joe Rogan asked, like, uh, wh- why do you think, why do you think humans have a hard time with freedom? And Cornell West talked, you know, he alluded to freedom being, freedom is courage. And 
that's kind of short supply and like, mm. you know, the, the innate nature of humanity, at least to how humanity is socialized to power structures. Um, and I guess, you know, if I were to boast for myself, the only thing I can say is like, all you got to do is just have some courage. Like, that's the thing I know. Uh, that's why I keep doing it. That's, you know, I define my own character by knowing like, I think it's cool that I'll do that. Like, you know, Alex described, like, I know when the band thinks I'm fucking lame. Like, shut up, you know? Like, I know it. I see I can't it. imagine it's terribly comfortable to do no, what you're it's doing. Not, it's not. <laughs> like, I know, I, I can see it happening. Um, that's why I usually pick the alpha in the room mm. at, at the beginning. They don't know they don't like me yet. Yeah. And I make friends wow. with it. I, you know, I did it with, uh, we, we showed up to the show and there was a kid... This is the Roanoke show. Yeah, a there's the ago. kid doing, you know, you just, you know from high school, like the kid that just wouldn't shut the fuck up and had to be the center of attention. It's Literally was in the center of this group of kids and just wouldn't shut the fuck up. And I was just like, that's the person I know, you know, they can't, they can't, they have to like me. So the room will like me. Mm-hmm. And so I like kind of, you know, you start, I start with that person. You're like, hey, you know, I think you're. I think you're cool. You know, like, I, I think you're cool. You're will you, interesting. Will you, will you allow the rest of the room to think I'm not lame? Um, and <laughs> It's not that direct, but... Right. It's, it's yeah. more, but it, again, you know, um, aside from the allusion to, like, a psychotic break, I've already been <laughs> fully disclosed uh, my complete understanding of my ability to manipulate people's psyche. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my address is 527. <laughs> yeah, you can Good come yeah. pick me up for being a psycho. <laughs> Don't ever let someone like me be president or anything like that. It's a bad idea. <laughs> it's, if, we're, um, if we're to make any sort of constructive plug, I do have two things. Um, the first one is to talk about in the disruption of... I don't know if anybody... I, it's been all over my Twitter feed because I'm engaged in leftist Twitter, but if you were to look... There are a lot of fucking liberals who talk about, um, well, I'm going to vote for whoever I think has the best chance of beating Donald Trump. Um, <clears throat> the Bernie Sanders movement is quite legitimate, and there's been a map on my Twitter feed of, like, you see the concentration of donors around the country. Um, this is just interesting. I don't know. I'm going to try to connect it to what we've been talking about, but the whole fucking country is blue. And that's Bernie Sanders' color. You have, like, Joe Biden is orange, and Elizabeth Warren is green, and Pete Buttigieg is uh, purple, and Amy Klobuchar is, like, some light pink, and Beto O'Rourke is red. And uh, Beto O'Rourke has Texas. Klobuchar has Minnesota. Buttigieg has these t- two tiny spots in Indiana, in northern Indiana. Um, Warren, you have to zoom in to see anywhere. And Biden, for some reason, has New Jersey um, and a little bit of Maryland. But the whole country is blue because... Uh, all over the country, if you were to sum up who are people giving money to in the Democratic primary race, it's Bernie Sanders. And so my narrative is, like, it's because this, like, it, 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 and, uh, it seems he embraced this in the last Democratic debate, which, I mean, we're just very politically nerdy, so we pay attention, too much attention to all this shit and probably give it more meaning than we should. But um, he did it. He embraced it. Like, the, the whole CNN thing was like uh, an attack. It, very pointed questions to attack Bernie Sanders, and he responded with this, like, disruptive um, attitude. And that's like, um, 
that's exactly what people who benefit from the way things are are afraid of. So if we're talking about experimenting, Donald Trump, maybe it was a step in this direction for some people. If we're talking about experimenting with disruption, if we're talking about experimenting with new philosophy, um, I don't know. Everybody's doing it, kids. Look at the fucking donor map. Everybody's doing it. You should register to vote, and you should vote for Bernie Sanders, and that's the most productive thing I and think I, you can plug think, here. Uh, an interesting point to make, and, and I understand that this is very privileged for me to say. I know it's privileged, but I don't make, think it makes it any less true. That idea of, like, um, you know, the, the, the way in which Bernie's responding to this, these political attacks and, like, uh, that disruptive nature... Um, that's why Donald Trump is president. Mm-hmm. Do- and Donald Trump is president. I don't want to like oversimplify like the socioeconomic situation, but like to speak to Marianne Wilmotson's dark psychic energy or whatnot that she alluded to. There is this energy. there is this profound, unquantifiable, mystical, existential force of dread over all of us. And I believe it's because of, you know, the implications of Mark of, of of capitalism and the male-dominated consciousness. I'd also like to quickly plug, that's also just our enlightenment perception of how this goes, that it's a dark psychic energy. Right. Uh, it's, it's evil because right. we, have a, um, we have that, you know, black and white dichotomy. Um, but but uh, I believe the circumstance in which we're feeling this, you know, let's call it the Lord of the Rings moment. Like we're feeling this hyperbole <laughs> of emotion because we're living in a stifling, crippling, exploitative system um, and it's very uninspiring. And because we're a room full of artists, you'll understand exactly what I mean. Like, you want to fucking make something. Like, you want your life to mean something. And Donald Trump was the brushstroke that made people feel alive. Mm-hmm. Even if it was facetious. Like, you know, like Bansky was saying in that piece. Like, the, the act of destruction is an is a artistic... The urge to destroy is an artistic one. Like... Yeah to paint that stroke of Trump all over this fucking map. Like, again, like, I understand that it's privileged. I know that my life hasn't significantly or radically changed in direct material material circumstance. I understand that. And it sucks that other people's has. But, like, I I think the idea of, like, demonizing people for, like, expressing that hedonist... Like, it's just, like, you, you've been stifled for so long, why wouldn't you just blow up and throw the grenade in the room? Like, yeah. if, I, if I have to keep coming to work, I want to blow it up, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's at least just rebuild the factory, because I'm tired of the fucking collar in the break room or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, the um, other maybe constructive thing on my agenda, um, I don't know... Um, maybe allow Jake to talk about their tour experience and how maybe, uh, I don't know, this is, um, Jamie and I are very loud and often competing for the only space that exists in the conversation. Um, and that's literally what happened for the last hour or so. No, it's um, okay. I just wanted to sit in anyway. Um, yeah, where are we, where are we at? Let's see. You say 120? The time in the afternoon. Oh, I see. 120 hours. Oh, I thought an hour and 20 minutes, and I was like, shit, that's a long podcast. No, no. Well, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know where this fancy uh, thing is. Yeah, keep going. Keep like. I don't know. Jamie and I are just very immersed in the way we see. We, I mean, we've been touring, I don't know, 
a year and a half, not a super long time. Well, Jamie had tours in... Yeah, we're an hour eight. Yeah, it's pretty long. Jamie had tours in his earlier days that um, I'm sure were even much different than now, but I just feel my whole perception of touring has changed just in the, like, four or five we've done. And, we, you know, we book enough shows at home and play enough shows around home that it's like... Um, uh, I also have the influence of hanging out with sometimes just Jamie while having these experiences and just you get a very, it's a very jaded perspective. Whereas a year and a half ago, I, I had this like whole, oh my God, I'm going to get to travel and I have this awesome experience. And I like, I don't know, like I'm just interested in the different perspective that you may have of like, this is the first, uh, the first, uh, like you had, you had the two day thing you did with orange. Yeah, tooth, right. Like, um, a first, like, I would say, like, genuine tour experience, yeah, maybe. Right. Um, or even just, like, having your experience. You know what I mean? Right. Like, taking your expression to people, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I guess um, I've been in, I think, maybe stage one of... If you guys are in stage three, I'm in stage one of kind of going down that rabbit hole. Um, and so for me, I guess it's been a lot of um, I've been thinking about just trying to figure shit out recently, you know, just on like a very big scale of like, what is the point of playing music? Um, you know, do I am I doing this for fun? Am, am I doing this for expression? Am I doing this for like uh, narcissistic reasons? Um and so, um, yeah, I think coming out it is like it's a nice way to examine sort of like what is the point of this, um, and you know I, I'm not sure if I've like come to the conclusion of one because yeah I, I definitely um, share like some of the similar frustrations you guys have about the appropriation of DIY culture and sort of just how fake it really is and how uh, just blatantly narcissistic it can be. Um, so I guess my experience has just been sort of like trying to figure out in a lot of ways like w what music is to me and like w what is the point of it. But I, I ultimately think um, it boils down to like expression and community for me. Um, and it's been a lot of fun seeing kind of your guys' expression because it's a lot more um, direct than mine is. And I, and I kind of like envy that from you guys. And so seeing you guys kind of um, alienate. I don't know if alienate is the right word. It's probably fair. But yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, you know, but like really just kind of confuse people. It's been fun. Um, I, and I'm, I think it like, it, it, it's made me sort of examine like the purpose of like, you know, why, what is the point of making this shit? Is it for myself? Is it for others? Um, is it for a message? Is it for a purpose? Is it just to do a thing that makes me feel good as a musician? I as think I'm like 75% like narcissistic. I do it because I love to do it. Like I know. <laughs> well, and I think that's yeah, okay I mean, it's realize. just like, yeah. Everyone yeah, yeah. in the room. Yeah. Oh, about, yeah. Like, I, 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 I say blankly to anybody. I really, I don't give a fuck if you like our, like, that's why our band is designed the way it is because I want my life to be meaningful because I am a narcissist. Um, and I also am a pretentious asshole. So, like, meaning doesn't mean like make people feel good about their girlfriend or boyfriend or partner or whatever you know what i mean like mm -hmm. for for me um 
like the whole band was designed around like you're gonna I, watch me do what I want to do. I'm still going to write songs because I enjoy writing songs, and I will. Ne- I've 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 lived you know at 33 I've been in some shitty uh, relationships, and I've lived a domestic life with I lived with a child and like worked the job and like was playing stepdaddy or whatever. Um, and I mean that to be as minim- minimalistic as it sounds. I, I gave I fucking hated it. Like I can't I don't understand how people have kids. Um, and I'm throwing shade. But <laughs> Usually, my, my point being, my point being, like I didn't play music for like two and a half years, you know. Mm. Um, and like I played guitar and shit, but like for me, playing music is like, you know, writing songs that I think are important and make me feel away, and then making other people listen to them. Because I, at the, you know, at my core, I am a Puritan myst- mystic. You know, I, you know, I still would identify as a Christian. But I'm also an atheist. But those two things, like, I think being in a room playing guitar for people, there's a thing that happens. It's unquantifiable, but it's I believe something happens and I feel something from it. But, like, I also know I don't really care if you like it. You know what I mean? Like, the point Jake was making about, like, you know, alienating a room. Uh, I'll maybe cancel myself here. But, uh, like, yesterday when we were waiting on you to show up for, uh, you know, to the, the place in Lancaster... There was a, a guy outside, and we had realized that the guy had been waiting for his wife, and they were getting ready to go do some kind of gender reveal episode. I don't know if it was a party or photo shoot. She's had this gigantic balloon. Um, <laughs> and it just reminded me, it was an opportunity to kind of get a punchline of a thing my uncle used to do all the time. I experienced it a lot, and my mom had told me a story once. One of the first times he did it was when he was in his teens. But he would, uh, they would be driving down the road downtown in Lancaster, Ohio, and he'd yell out a window to a couple, you know, fucker, I did, and you'd see him, like, instantly get in this fight, and that's how I was socialized, you know, like, just to be, you know, uh, isolating and divisive, you know, because it's just where I, and I don't want to, and I say, I think I have authority to say it, because I grew up poor, you know, I'm still, I'm still poor, (laughs) um, it's not that poor people are, like, gross people, it's just, like, there's a there, there's this subconscious anger that can never really be pinpointed, mm-hmm. um, and so you you just kind of you know that's that was my uncle's grenade, and that's kind of you know so like when when we uh, you know when we clear a room so to speak, um, that's just doing what I think is natural, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and so the only way to reconcile my love of music and my urge to do that. It, you know, is that's why our band is what it is. It's exactly yeah. that way to, for you know, my point, that's a long tangent to say, we're not not narcissists. Right. You know. I mean, I, I think, think we're 100%, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, if Jake, you're only 75, I'm, I'm worse than Yeah, you. yeah. Like, like, it's we, all narcissism. There was, in, in this show in Roanoke, it was like, you normally don't play a packed house show doing these shitty tours. It it's like, crazy. It's and it was crazy. like this tiny. Yeah. It's 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 a music video scene. You got like th- between thirty and forty people packed into a room where a fire marshal would say maybe seven people should fit, um, and you're like crammed against the wall, and it got so fucking hot. Um, <clears throat> but like in the middle of our set, like we have one song that I mean we have we have two songs I would say cultural violence and if hell is real we're all going that as we wrote them we explicitly defined them as like yep these are the show off songs, 
Um, and it's what people like. And there's, I just, it's just fast, crazy drums while I'm singing sometimes. And there's this, there's this dude who's standing right in front and I'm, I don't look at the crowd cause it makes me feel weird, but I'm also explicitly aware that this guy is like, He's like motioning, like, oh, look at me. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But then <laughs> right. after, after this song, it, you can't shake that. Like, I mean, Jake and I, Jake and I kind of like in our high school teen years, like played music together almost exclusively um, for at least a few years. And like, um, I, I just have to assume like <laughs> the same kind of narcissism. Like it, we just, we had the same Blink-182 kind of pop punk culture. So the reasons we play music are probably pretty much the same. Um, because those were such formative years for us. But it, it, anyway, like, um, after after we played both of those show-off songs in a row in this set, and after the second one, the guy's like, you know, the TV's playing a video of uh, a black person being shot to death by a cop, and this guy's just like, you're so good. And it's just like... Um, yeah, the juxtaposition. And it, yeah, yeah, it's, yes, the, because I have such these conflicting feelings that are like... <laughs> Thank you. I, I, yeah, th- I, I, I say like you, you smile. You're like thank you. But my my real thought process is I know why the fuck does that matter right now? Um, I wouldn't. You know, I, just well, that's interesting. Um, it's an interesting place we are in this conversation, and I've never really considered that contradiction in that because we did like those two songs specifically, like. Um, Cultural violence, I didn't know until we played it out as often. Mm-hmm. We, it has that riff. But, like, their song, any time we play that song, um, and, you know, this is part of that narcissism. I mean, I kind of believe, like, I think there's, you know, I'll be maybe Bob Dylan for a second. Like, I feel there, maybe there's a spirit in the song. Because um, I really, you know, I was in a... I don't write music the way I used to when I was 16. It's, like, not really... It's not really, like... Uh, emotively inspired it's like you know intellectually inspired i write i I write lyrics that i want to be thought-provoking but then i've always been in music nerds like writing a pop punk song is like fucking nothing to me yeah you know i know you know to a certain degree i want to have fun playing the guitar but at the same time like i rarely will pick up a car and like a guitar and be like oh wow that's so cool you know but that song particularly like i had that feeling of like wow that was a cool thing i did um but i wrote it um knowing like it sounded so pop punky like i intentionally was like well this has got to be like super you know ostracizing <laughs> like so it's the i want to write a song about like you know structural and cultural violence um and we started playing it out and i was just like why do people like people are just like you know that's always the first song <laughs> the video go, the video that we put with it that plays during the song is also the insinuation that like a school shooting is yeah, about to the, happen the scene from elephant uh the Gus van zandt movie it's just like it's uh, kind of uh <laughs> it's fucked up maybe it's an homage to columbine but um, yeah and i mean the lyrics um, of the song like are pretty like yeah, sounds I mean, like a the, school shooter would say song, this shit the, the song is a is from the narrative of um you know, of, a, of the Columbine killer, of, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. ever talks to me. Yeah, <laughs> somebody, somebody better come and fucking talk to me. Um, um, it's very, it's very, um, it's kind of a fucking weird song if you sit down with it, and that's all, and we just got this response, um, and that kind of inspired us to, like, I knew, I was like, oh, it's the starts and the stops, and, like, and I, I understood the choreography of, like, what, because, like, the way the video is cut and all of that shit, and then we just, like started 
designing songs to like make people feel that way mm-hmm. like um and to that point like my you know that is a tangent to say like that's kind of really fucking narcissistic. Well, that I mean, whole thing, like, yeah, did yeah, all, yes. like, like that was not by accident. Well, this, you know? this, just this whole, this whole podcast is a manifestation of our own narcissism because we are one of the three different artistic acts in the room introduced as such. Like, if people are listening to Alex Tanilla's podcast, they probably know that Alex Tanilla is a musician, and Jake introduced themselves as like. Kimmy Vicky, that's the project, which has not been said since right. then. Um, said or discussed, like, um, yeah, I mean, so my, if I were to turn that into anything constructive, that's not just self, self-depreciating in the most arrogant way to say, like, yeah, we're fucking narcissists because we just <laughs> talked for, like, an hour and a half about ourselves and we went from the starting point of why should we care? And we're like, oh, I don't know that you should, but oh, that here's, was great. here's why. Here's <laughs> why, though. I'm pulling for content. I asked um, one question <laughs> an hour and a half later. So I was, I sure, I was having the concern um, about an hour ago. Uh, did we take this away from you? <laughs> um, we definitely did. But, um, my, I mean, I would just say, like, I mean, Jamie and I even have different backgrounds. We both have some, you know, traumatic, like, brain-jarring experiences in our lives, I would say that Jamie, you know, they're very different from one another, but um, even so, like, it just makes you crazy enough to be that much of a narcissist that, like, you'll just talk, you'll just talk and talk and talk, Um, and I think uh, if we're to talk about experimentation and disruption, which has been my theme from the whole thing, like, just don't shut up. Just don't shut up because we shut up too much. And like we, at the end of our set, there's always a bit. We're a new cult and you can be too. And we've touched on how like, I mean, that's fucking 21 Pilots cheesy, first of all. But also like we've talked about how like, yep, yeah, if we could start a cult, we would. My ultimate dream, total fantasy, never going to happen is that there's some weirdo who's like, can I get in the van? Um, and fucking probably not. That seems unpractical yeah, because uh, <laughs> we're probably going to tell you no. But I would still be so honored that you asked. Um, because when it comes down to it, we're Americans and we don't trust you. Um, <laughs> but um, ultimately, um, I mean, I would say like what we do really isn't that hard to do. Um, and. Uh, you can you can do it if you just don't shut up. <laughs> I I also think um, it's important to note that the people the people I think you could really affect. I don't want to minimize the effect that a, a collectivized action of all people what what results you could get from that. But the people who I think could really make an effect on things. Um, and I think it's, you know, to allude back to what I was talking about earlier with that mashup of, like, an ICP or, like, a Jay-Z. Um, you know, the Juggalos or, like, you know, my kind, the West Side scumbags. Um, those are the people that I really think that can have that insightful disruption. Um, but I think it's important to recognize, like, we were having a conversation with our buddy Wes. They're in a band called Waxjaw. And they identify as a queer band. Um, and I've learned a lot about like personal experiences from queer people from being friends with those folks. And uh, they were talking about um, this, the, this common DIY ethos of like kind of demonizing like the pursuit of like money or whatnot. 
Um, and as a Marxist, I, I still adhere to the idea of um, being very critical of cap capitalist pursuit. But I know, like, I'm not opposed to people like, you got to pay your rent. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that I believe that you should pay your rent playing music. But if, but if you can, you know, that's fucking cool. And don't, you know, don't stop doing that right. for some altruistic, you know. Yeah, we just talked about, um, Jamie has a friend who, like, lucked into a, uh, just being an assigned hardcore yeah, just, band, and just, it's like, well, yeah, you just don't stop. <laughs> right, just, like, keep doing that. And that is, you know, going back, too, to the whole violence against the system. That's one less person working in an office or working, right. you know, right. getting some sort of, contributing to some sort of Social Security or whatever, you know, right. that's yeah. one less even, taxation. Even if, even if you're in a well-to-do band. You're still not doing very well. Like, yeah. unless you're, like, fucking Rolling Stone or Nickelback shit. Like, if you're signed to some, like, you know, top-notch indie label, like, you're still going to be 30 years old and broke. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> uh, it's just not going to turn out well. You're not getting health care. Yeah. You're still, like, <laughs> fucked. You're a private con It's like, um, there's been a lot of attention on, like, the WWE. Like, just wrestling, there's this, I, I'll go, I, I could go on a whole tangent, but I'm not going to. We'll a succinct story. <laughs> John Oliver did this whole bit on, like, you know, Vince McMahon and how big of a piece of shit he is with, like, how he treats... Like, the WWE is, like, this billion-dollar entity, but they hire all of the wrestlers as private contractors so they can exploit them, like, hmm. you know, like, fucking Mason, Masons get exploited or, like, carpenters do. You know, like, they're just private contractors who put their bodies, like, in the air and shit. What a narrative. We need a wrestler's union. <laughs> I'm calling on... And, and, I mean, it's the same kind of, you know, the way Walmart just stifles all of that kind of movement. Like, WWE does the same thing. Um, that's the same kind of experience musicians are living through, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, most musicians uh, have the same experience we're having. It's just they have a, a more reliable network and consistency to, you know, the frequency in which they can escape reality mm -hmm. and eat and be sheltered is, you know, it's a higher frequency than the one or two weeks we'll plan for ourselves. Um, but, but the, the idea of, uh, you know, I, that's a tangent to make the point of like the people who really could impact, you know, and, and, and have those productive expressions of violence in that way. Um, I think we often forget like how, oppressed and exploited other people are because like I lucked out and I got out of it you know like the it's not that I'm out of the system of poverty like I didn't conquer it but like I lucked my way into a you know a group of friends a social circle that like helps me live a life that I wouldn't have been able to live by myself mm -hmm. um, and talking to West my point was they were talking about they had a friend um, it's a band of all trans people um, and they, they're always competing with that, you know, the bougie perspective of like, you should just make art to make art, you know, and whether it pays or not. But like, I never really considered like a group of trans women getting stuck in like Alabama, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a financial, like there's a direct material circumstance for them that like, are we to say that trans women shouldn't be able to tour because they could get stuck in Alabama. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. semantically, it sounds like a bad idea. But if we're talking about, like, living free and, like, l having liberated lives, like, 
trans women are the women, you know, they need to be out and fucking yelling and fucking shit up. And um, I would imagine that a great deal of them, you know, like a great deal of poor people who come from places like I did, they just can't, you know, even, you know, um, I'm not going to romanticize and suggest that there's an Eddie Van Halen out there and, you know, some Appalachian town or, you know, maybe there is, but like, I'm not Eddie Van Halen. Like, uh, I'm not all that gifted, you know, like all of, all of my, all of the perceived ability that I have is just mastering that narcissism, you know, that we alluded to earlier. Like I can just like, I can trick you into having an emotional, you know, uh, reaction to a video I've edited, you know, you like that. That's a great example. Like people think I'm like this great visual mastermind, but it's like, I didn't make anything that you're seeing, mm. you know, it either happened or I took it somewhere. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's uh, it's just a zine in a movie, you know, yeah. like it's all collage shit. Um, and my point being like a lot of folks who could actually be impactful, just don't, they don't have the opportunities that I had had to figure out how to like, manipulate people in that mm -hmm. way uh, it would be interesting if you could get a word count for how many times I've said manipulate <laughs> I think it's only been a few today but I'll uh, do it. <laughs> yeah um, I don't know if there's a conclusion to be had from any of that it's I got one okay if I, any any last plugs or final I'm just gonna say eat the rich <laughs> right and vote for Bernie Sanders. I would like that. I understand if you think it's all fucked and have your own narrative. I, I'm there some days. I I do think. Oh, here we go. Just sorry. If I'm gonna like just be cheesy and plug a thing, in terms, I, I plug the idea of like, um, I, Jake just had this experience recently. Like, people, I I the first job I ever had. I worked for seven years. Like my mom got me a job at McDonald's, and I worked there for seven years. Because I thought that I, this particular time and place presented to me. And I think most people who are in that, you know, ring and roll and some shitty job, because it's shitty. You know, most people, anyone listening to this probably has a shitty job. Um, there are other shitty jobs. And uh, I, it's really not, it's really not... Um, I don't know, like the, the romanticism of like, keep that job because the job is you know special or whatever. <laughs> like, I I know my I boss know is my friend. I know enough about the economy. Like, if you have a forty fifty thousand dollar a year job, don't listen to me because <laughs> you can't just go find a forty thousand dollar a year job. But most millennials are living in a, a lived their lived experience is this really fucked up, exploited circumstance of service industry gig kind of. Uh, employment and I think that you should quit your job and just get a new one you know like uh, I I we you, you know historically we don't follow up with get a new one we just quit your job and fucking you know anarchy um, but being you know <laughs> I went back to school in the fall and so like and being older just it's really about my mortality like I went back to school to to because I you know was starting to get back aches and shit from doing laboring work. And I just realized like, I can't, 
you can't be a DIY punk kid at an Olive Garden when you're 50. Like, I still want to be doing whatever the fuck I want to do when I'm 50, but I know, like, I have to have an office job mm -hmm. if I'm still going to, like, play music or, like, you know, be a weirdo punk kid. Um, and, like, having that college experience, you, like, are interacting with these people trying to do the same... Co like, I go to school with a lot... It's a community college, so it's a lot of people doing the same. Like, I can't fucking work at Bob Evans anymore. So, like, <laughs> they go to a community college. Um, and so I'm more sensitive to, like, I wish we could all just quit our fucking jobs and we do, you know, storm Area 51 and then go to the White House. I wish we would <laughs> to do that. Um, but I recognize it's not practical, nor, you know, plausible. Um, but Jake quit their job and just went to another shitty job and it feels a little better, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, we've sure. had the conversations like, it still sucks, but like, you know, it's a, even if it's, even if it's semantically not any different, quitting the, you know, that act of, you disrupted for a day, you know what I mean? Cause like, yeah, you told stories about them being like, oh, the fucking four people quit after you did, oh, it sucks. It's a little bit of violence shaking shit up, like. Um, that's the, I guess that's my plug is to like, you know, directly you should quit your job, just find a new shitty one. But like, and then think about like what happens there. And is, is there any other way you can do that? Like those just subtle forms of like punch back, you know what I mean? Like that's, I guess that's just where I think people should be. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not, again, I'm not promoting violence. I'm just promoting the idea of like re maybe rethinking sure. our passive liberal culture of like, you know, it's, you know, the antithesis of uh, what atheists say they are, yeah. you know, like that I don't believe in God or Jesus or whatever, but like that turn the other cheek bullshit, you know, <laughs> like that's all everyone does is like, you know, uh, the whole Eric Gardner and the cop, what's his name? Pantaleo. Pantaleo, like, oh, let the, the, turning the other, you know, let, right. the, let the justice system deal with that like no why don't you just fucking throw that cop in the fucking river you know <laughs> Ooh. but not that far I that's uh, artistic uh, liberty there that's a story I'm working on unless it happened it would be interesting right. um, <clears throat> interesting that was my plan that's yeah less intellectually more hyperbolically eat the rich but yeah it leads me to my final thought which I think just piggybacking off the punch back. Um, one of my heroes right now, Henry Zabrowski, host of Last Podcast on the Left, is continually saying, uh, whatever song, story, idea you have in your head that you can't help but wonder why you need to make it, you must make it, you must do it. Because in some weird wee-woo, mystical way, that positive energy is contributing in a, in a very strange way that we don't quite understand right now. Right. Even going back to what you're saying with the punch back, you want to quit your job, quit your job. Because whatever, whatever weird subconscious desire that you have deep down inside that's calling, they seem to be calling stronger now than forever before for people. Of course, there are people who act out on that in strange ways. They go and shoot up a garlic festival or they, you know, take it out right. of school. Like these, 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 Feelings are manifesting in people constantly. Um, perhaps they have always been, and people just block them out. And now more than ever, people are, are listening to their inner selves, positive or negative. And for some weird way, acting on them is very beneficial to society right now. So I'd, I'd say that what y'all just talked about for an hour and a half is, is very much that idea. And I hope I simplified it now. Oh, um, definitely. I, I, I think yeah. that's... Um, really succinct 
kind and kind of like removing any kind of like political political ideology. Like that's just like the the innate sense of humanity is like. Um, I think that most, I believe, you know, uncynically that human nature is good, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're fine, you know, however subjective good is, but like, we're fine, you know, human beings, I think, you know, again, subjectively love each other. Um, and we share that same sense of like, I just think people want their things and ideas and expressions to matter. And to the point of like, I just think people don't act on, you know, they, right. you, know, yeah. that, you know, I think it's, it's important because um, I think every one of those things, like you, your succinct poetic way to inspire people, that's the violence I'm talking about. You sure. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like a person quitting their job or like making, you know, uh, a, you know, we all, every one of us started in a shitty band or acoustic project, you know, like, yeah. and it sucked and it was disrupted. It was violence in like the sense of like, you know, maybe it's liberal, you know, progressive hyperbole but like no one wanted to hear you <laughs> you and you intruded on people's time and space to make them listen to that yes. thing that my stuck. family got mad when i would show them my music right <laughs> like stop it shut Dude, up or, that sucks uh, and that and that's and and it takes a particular breed of narcissist like all of us <laughs> to go to follow through but like i think it is an inspiring you know directive like maybe summon you know Maybe it's not even narcissism. Maybe it's just like having courage to pretend to be a narcissist. Yeah. To, to do, to make your thing and express it and share it. Because I do, I agree. I think that's important. Um, again, you know, because I, you know, I'm still a closet Christian. Um, you went back into the closet. Yeah. Um, Christian closet. Yeah. I, I'm a recovering Christian, I guess. Um, and I, you know, most of my worldview is shaped by a mystical uh, interpretation of, you know, the the directive, you know, the direction we're headed is um, of the sort that I believe that we're, we have a power to affect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more people should make things um, out, you know, outside of the capitalist idea of production, but make things, make things that make you feel like today was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go swimming. And with that. (laughs) (laughs) So do you edit?